And uh, we're going to have a good time tonight, and and I hope that uh, tonight's uh, message will be a help and an encouragement. And, uh, we, you just got to sing a little bit about uh, the the topic uh, that we're going to preach about, and uh, that is the return of Christ. We're going to talk about the rapture, and uh, we're going to use Jesus's words uh, here in John chapter fourteen as our our, our springboard. And I want to preach tonight. Uh, about this passage this morning, uh, we look, look primarily at verse two, gleaned a few truths from some of the other verses in this passage. But but we preached about heaven and uh, Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. And and, and in verse three, um, he tells us he is going to come again and receive us to himself. And and uh, in theology, we refer to that term as the rapture. And we're going to preach a little bit about that tonight, and I, I pray that we'll be encouraged. So John chapter 14, you can remain seated, but do let us read the first six verses of this, this amazing passage. Let's, let's just read it in unison. Ready, begin. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way, ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but... And let's pray together. Father, I pray that You would help us. Father, as we seek to understand Your Word. Father, I pray tonight that we would be consistent and, and uh, faithful to the Scriptures. And uh, Father, I pray that You would help us to rightly divide the Word of Truth. And Father, I pray that You would help us to see the return of Your Son, Jesus Christ, as something that could happen even today, tonight. Father, I pray that each one of us, Father, expecting that imminent return, Father, would live for that day. And Father, I pray that You would bless now. pray that Your Spirit would fill me and use me in this hour. pray that You would protect my mind, our minds from distractions, Father, may we give our attention to the preaching of the Word of God. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few verses in previous in chapter 13, Jesus has given His disciples a new commandment. And I believe what we have here in John chapter 14, although He does not say that this is new truth or new understanding or new insight, I believe He's giving us new insight which helps us piece together biblical prophecy. Verse 3, Jesus is speaking of a future event that Bible students call the rapture. Now, one of the first criticisms uh, of this teaching is that the word rapture is not in the Bible. And, uh, and of course, uh, to that I respond, neither is the word trinity. Uh, but it's uh, nonetheless, we... Uh, we serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The word incarnation is not in your Bibles. And, 
And nonetheless, the doctrine is is very much there. And so the, the word rapture is a, a term that has been coined to refer to this event. And uh, now understand, we're talking about the return of Christ. And and uh, if if you're familiar with the terminology, we uh, the Allen Baptist Church teach a premillennial pre-tribulation return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're if if I believe the Bible teaches a premillennial coming of Christ. That that should be obvious to anyone who interprets the Bible literally. Okay, in order for Christ to sit on a throne on this earth for a thousand years, he has to come uh, to uh, to sit on that throne. But what is often debated and discussed among Bible believers is the timeline of his coming, the timeline of uh, what will reference as the rapture. And, and uh, really, uh, what, what uh, someone has to say about when the rapture would take place has a lot to say about uh, uh, his method of hermeneutics and how he interprets the scriptures and and uh, and also has a lot to say about how he views Israel and the church in the Bible. And we're going to look at that a little bit tonight. But but uh, understanding Israel and the church is it's really a lot easier than you think. OK, your your Bible, the book that you hold in your hands, divided up into two parts. It's the old and the new. you got it. All right. Very good. Uh, the Old Testament is uh, God's covenant with the nation of Israel and and uh, the New Testament is is God's covenant uh, to whosoever will, and and uh, with and so uh, you know your you know the Bible has one author, and uh, and that's God, and yet we see two uh, two covenants, and you know a good human author can weave several plot lines through their story, and and uh, and and God weaves in his story of redemption through his story of redemption multiple peoples a single program of grace two peoples that he has redeemed Israel and the church and and uh, and so God's program for Israel they rejected their messiah they crucified him and their uh, God's program God's plan for Israel is on hold and right now God is working through his spiritual kingdom called the church and God will continue to use that church, uh, His church, until the events that we read of here in verse three take place, the rapture of the church. And, and so, uh, and then of course God will continue, uh, His, to complete His unfulfilled business with Israel at that time and during a time we call the tribulation. We'll look a little bit more into that as we get further into the message tonight. So I want to give us just a, a few thoughts tonight about the rapture. And I think this will be a help and an encouragement to you. First of all, number one, the rapture was given to us by Jesus Christ Himself. Let's again read verse 3. John chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And so the, the the fact of the rapture was first revealed by Christ to his disciples. We talked a little bit this morning about where Christ was going and and uh, the place that he was preparing and and uh, we talked about heaven and and uh, and of course in this passage he tells his disciples he is going to bring them into his presence. So um, uh, this 
that this uh, the the doctrine or the teaching of the rapture is is often taught from First Thessalonians chapter four. So take your Bibles and turn there, but you'll want to keep your place here. And I want to I want to point out a few similarities between these passages. Some Bible students will say that what Paul is doing in First Thessalonians chapter four uh, is simply making commentary on Jesus's words from John chapter fourteen. Now, in verse 17, I do want to point out from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where we get the term rapture from. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be, next two words, caught up. Caught up, okay? That, that phrase that's translated caught up comes from the Greek word harpezo, okay? And that means to seize upon with force or to snatch up. And uh, there's an English word you might be a little bit familiar with. It comes from harpezo, and that's the word harpoon. And uh, but the Latin, uh, the Latin form of this word, Latin translators use the word repere, from which we get the English word uh, the rapture. The Bible tells us that these believers will be caught up. Let's begin reading in verse 13, First Thessalonians chapter four. Verse 13, we'll read down through verse 18. Verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, how does Jesus start the passage in John chapter 14? Let not your hearts be troubled. So, uh, in John chapter 14, Jesus speaks of trouble. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul begins with sorrow. And uh, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God. What's the next phrase? Believe also in me. And uh, so he's going to mention that those, those similar phrases. Verse 14, look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And so we believe in, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, believe in God, believe in me. In this passage, believe in Jesus and God will bring with him. And uh, so, uh, so, uh, in, uh, verse, in verse two of chapter 14, uh, Jesus speaks about his father's house. He said, uh, if it were not so, I would have, what? Told you. What does Paul say next? Verse 14. Verse, I'm sorry, uh, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain at the, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And, and so, uh, this, this speaking, this declaration of this marvelous truth. And, and, uh, so, um, in, uh, in verse three, he, he speaks, he says, uh, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Okay, we're back in First Thessalonians chapter four and verse 15, he says, uh, which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them 
in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So he says, I will receive you. And then Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 3, to who? Unto himself. I will receive you unto myself. And uh, in John, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, you're going to be caught up to what? Meet the Lord. And so we see that similarity. And he says uh, that where I am, there you may be also. And in uh, verse 17 finishes with and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Okay. And, and so just, just a few observations. I mean, the, 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 the words and phrases are almost ex- an exact parallel. And they, they deal with the passages, uh, it, it deal with the same events in the same order. And, uh, and of course, in both of these passages, it's only speaking about believers. And uh, that there's not a, an irregularity or difference in, in, in progression of these words from first to last. It, it takes each passage. Uh, John chapter 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, takes a believer from the troubles of this earth and leads them to the glories of heaven. And, uh, and, and so uh, these passages uh, I, I interpret, I believe, the same event, the rapture of the church. So uh, the, the, the doctrine of the rapture, the teaching of the rapture was revealed to us by Jesus Christ himself. Now, let me say this next. The rapture is imminent. The rapture is imminent. The Bible speaks again and again about our Lord's return as imminent. And what that simply means is that it could happen at any moment. It could happen even now. Or now. Or now. It could happen... At any moment. Okay? Other events may occur before an imminent event, but nothing else must take place. And, and sometimes uh, missionaries will share with us a passage from Matthew chapter 24 where it says the gospel will be preached uh, to all nations and then shall the end come. And, and, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, understand that his return is imminent and the gospel is and has been preached and, uh, to the, 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 the the, the four corners, the utmost parts of the world, but imminency. You see, and the passages that speak about his return as happening as any moment instruct us to look for his coming, to watch for his coming, to wait for his coming. Here's just a few verses. Listen to me as I as I read these, please. First Corinthians one seven so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.20, we looked at this verse this morning, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ, was once offered to bear the sins of many, that unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. First Peter 1.13 Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jude 1.21 Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 
First Peter one, uh, first uh, Peter one thirteen. I'm sorry, I shared that. See, again and again and again, the Bible instructs us as His children to be looking for His coming. See, if 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 the appearance of the Antichrist or the abomination of desolation or uh, the unfolding of the tribulation had to take place before the rapture, then all of our commands for us to watch for Christ's coming would be irrelevant. See, only only those who 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 hold to a pre-tribulation appearance of Christ teach the truly imminent rapture of the church. It's the it's the only view that holds his coming as imminent. You see, the Bible tells us again and again to for Jesus our is our hope, and as such, we look for and watch for and wait for the person that is Jesus Christ. Well, I'm so thankful that in this world today, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm watching and waiting for His coming, and and uh, and 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 the understanding and believing and and holding to a pre-tribulation view of the return of Christ. It allows us to. Uh, to obey these passages, to look for Christ, and yet give meaning to the second coming passages when uh, He returns and and uh, to this earth. So imminency, imminency of His coming. Let me say this next: the church will be raptured to be spared the great tribulation. The church will be raptured to be spared the great tribulation. See, the Bible teaches that this tribulation, uh, the 70th week of uh, Daniel's prophecies, or Jeremiah referred to it as the time of Jacob's trouble, it, it, it will be a time of preparation for Israel's restoration. And, and uh, so the, the Bible tells us that the church is to be spared. Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Now, I, I mentioned in the message this morning that some, uh, you know, that mock the idea of heaven as simply escapism. And some who teach other, uh, other views of eschatology, they mock the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And, and they say that that is simply just escapism, you know. Uh, other people suffer, but when things get bad, we just believe Jesus is going to come and snatch us away. Now, the Bible tells us that that in the world, John sixteen thirty three, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. And, and, I, and I want to remind you that 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 Christians all around the world are suffering for their faith. Thousands of Christians martyred for their faith in in, in just the last few months. And and uh, and, and uh, the, the church is. Is, is certainly being attacked and the church is suffering much tribulation. But what, what we're referring to is not just tribulations, but the great tribulation and uh, the time when God pours his wrath out upon the earth, the day of the Lord, the, the, the wrath of God. You see, understand that, you know, before a country would declare war or officially begin attacking another country, they're going to call their citizens home. They're, they're uh, ambassador, ambassadors performing uh, official business. Or they're going to be summoned home before 
the, 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 uh, the bombs start flying and, and God is going to call His church to be with Him. Revelation chapter 3, you're there. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. The Bible says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And, and uh, Jesus telling His church, that they will be spared. They will be kept in the hour of temptation. And, and, uh, and by the way, you're, you're in Revelation. Turn over to chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. See, during the time of the tribulation, it's the church who will be singing the new song in heaven. Look at verse 8. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. John writes, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, and... Four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. You see that new song that's being sung in heaven? It's not a song that's being sung by the Old Testament saints. Redeemed us out of every people and nation and tongue. And that, That's not a song, by the way, being sung by the angels. That, that is a song that is being sung. Only the church can sing this song to be, that they have been redeemed out of every nation, out of every people, by the blood of the Lamb. You see, so, so the church will be raptured to be spared the great tribulation. And of course, as these seals are open, and later on in the book of Revelation, as the trumpets are blown, the great tribulation uh, it commences and continues as God's wrath is poured out upon the earth. The, uh, let me say this next. The trumpets of 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians are not the same as the trumpets of Revelation. The, the, uh, the passage that we read a few moments ago, it speaks about the trumpet and, and as the trumpet sounded, those, those that would uh, hold to some other uh, view of uh, and some other timeline of the rapture of the church, uh, they'll say, well, the seventh trumpet in Revelation is the trumpet that's heard in 1 Corinthians and and uh, in First uh, uh, Thessalonians, that's simply not true. Okay, it, you know, in order for the seventh trumpet found in Revelation chapter ten and eleven to be the trumpet that's heard in First Corinthians and First Thessalonians, that means the church would have to go through part of the great tribulation. And uh, and uh, the the and of course uh, we read that trumpet is the trump of God. The trumpet that's blown in Revelation chapter 11. Uh, you're, you're close. Turn over there if you would please. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And look at verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded. And there were great voices in the, in the world. In, I'm sorry, voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. 
So uh, the trumpet that we hear in uh, at the time of the rapture is the trump of God. This is a trumpet sounded by an angel. And uh, the, the, the trumpet the, that is heard in 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians at the time of the rapture takes place in a moment. 1 Corinthians says it's in the twinkling of an eye. In chapter 10, they, when this trumpet first sounds, it's something that takes place over the course of days. And there's a parenthetical that takes the rest of chapter 10 and even the first part of, of, of chapter 11. And uh, it, is, it's, uh, it covers a period of time. You see, and, and of course, most importantly, the trump that is heard at the time of the rapture is a trumpet of glory. As God calls His own to be with Him forever and ever. And, and, and the seventh trumpet is a trumpet of woe and a trumpet of destru destruction. Different trumpets, for sure. But I, I want to point out next, the rapture is for the church. And since the rapture is for the church, it is a doctrine that is given to the church. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I mentioned in the introduction that your timeline about the, the rapture of the church, um, it, it, uh, it, it, it reveals how you see Israel and the church as they are spoken of prophetically. And, and, uh, the, the, uh, the, those who would hold to a different timeline for the rapture that it would come during the tribulation, after the tribulation, or, or, or before the wrath of God, after the wrath of Satan, and before the wrath of God, a, 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 a pre-wrath, uh, rapture of the church. They, they, uh, they, they, they believe or they teach that the church kind of fills the shoes, if you will, that the nation of Israel forsook. And the church is the, the, the logical replacement for uh, for God's people. But uh, I want to point out here from Ephesians chapter 3 that the church and Israel are two separate entities. Now, in the church, Jews and Gentiles are made one. And uh, but but uh, nonetheless, they the church itself is a mystery. Look at verse 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in Christ, who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that 
now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, in this passage, don't let the word mystery throw you, okay? Mystery is simply a doctrine that was previously not understood. It's a truth that is now, it's a mystery solved, if you will. It's a truth that is no longer a mystery. And Paul is saying that through the revelation that he has been given, us by extension now understand what the church is. And this, you see, the, 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 a, a pre-tribulation rapture of the church gives full emphasis to the teaching that the church differs significantly from Israel. Okay? And this is why the, the teaching or the doctrine of the rapture was not given to Old Testament prophets. It is a teaching that was given since it is for the church. It was a doctrine that was given to the church. You see, this is, this is why the church is promised deliverance from the time of God's wrath as it is poured out on this world during the tribulation. And you see, the church alone has been given this promise. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, say it with me if you know it, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, there you may be also. And so, so this rapture is a doctrine for the church given to the church. The rapture of the church in the second coming are given as separate and unique events. In the rapture, Jesus is coming for His saints. At His second coming, Christ is coming with His saints. Jude chapter, uh, only one chapter, Jude verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints. You know, at the rapture, Jesus comes in the clouds. At His second coming, Jesus comes to the earth. We, we read, he will, he, the trumpet will sound and we will meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And, and uh, you see, and, and, and between the time of the rapture and the time of the second coming, there is a seven year period in between those two events known as the Great Tribulation. And we get those words from the words of Christ Himself in Matthew chapter 24. For, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. It will be a time of great tribulation. Judgment that the world, like which the world has never seen. And so the, 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 the rapture is different than the second coming. The, the prophecies about the second coming will still be fulfilled after the rapture takes place. And, uh, and, and of course, along with that, the rapture of the church will then allow the unhindered work of the Antichrist. And uh, the Bible talks in Second Thessalonians about this revelation of the man of sin. And uh, the Bible speaks that there is something that is restraining him. And uh, when that restrainer is taken out of the way, then the Antichrist will go about and, and accomplish his, his evil works. And of course, the, 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 that will take place uh, at, at, after the time of the rapture. 
the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer when the believers are summoned home to be with Christ forever. And, uh, and of course, in the future to return to the earth with Him, the Antichrist will, uh, will be allowed to work unhindered. And I wanted to finish with this thought. The rapture has happened before in type and in picture. You know, First Thessalonians chapter 4, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Caught up. Harpezo. Raptus. The, the rapture of the church. You know, the first time we see this happening is in the book of Genesis. Who was raptured? Enoch was. The Bible tells us Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. Elijah also experienced this. The Bible says he was caught up in a whirlwind and, and a chariot of fire appeared and, and uh, he went into heaven. He was caught up. And we have types and pictures of the rapture in Scripture. Of course, our, our Lord Jesus Christ Himself was raptured. John, the Bible says, was caught up. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. And, and we see again and again, we see types and pictures of the rapture in Scripture. And I wanted to finish with this thought. You know, it's important that we make practical application. And one Bible student summarized some of the implications of a pre-tribulation rapture this way. The fact that the glorified Holy Son of God could step through the door of heaven at any moment is intended by God to be the most pressing, incessant motivation for holy living and aggressive ministry, including missions, evangelism, Bible teaching, and the greatest cure for lethargy and apostasy. It should make a major difference in every Christian's values, actions, priorities, and goals. You see, the Bible tells us that we're looking for His coming. And if Jesus Christ would return today, if He would call for us today, would you and I be found living holy lives? Would you and I be found doing His work? Would you and I be found waiting and watching, anticipating His coming? And, and uh, again and again, the Bible speaks to, to this mind. You see, uh, we, we looked at Colossians, a passage from Colossians chapter 3 this morning. But let's look at it again. Colossians chapter 3. If you're there in Ephesians, turn back just towards the back just a few pages. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him. In glory. You know, the, again, the Bible speaks very specifically to the truth that when He appears, we are going to be with Him. But you see, the, the, understand that because Christ could return 
today. That, that calls us to live holy. We are to seek those things which are above. We're to set our affection on things above. You see, that, that, that because Christ could return today. You see, because the rapture is our hope, we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that, that summons us to be watchful for Christ Himself. It, it, encourage, it encourages faithfulness on the part of, 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 of the church. It encourages patience on our part as we wait for His coming. And we endure the trials and, and uh, toils of life because we know that Christ is coming. It's to promote godly moderation. You know, Philippians chapter 4. We're close. Look there. Turn, turn back to Philippians chapter 4. Just a page or two towards the front. I want you to read verse 5 with us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Ready? Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Not only because the Lord's return is imminent, that encourages us to godly moderation, self-control, temperance. You know, because His return is imminent, that is to bring forth successful labor. You know, Paul mentions the Believers, the disciples there at the church in Thessalonica as His crown of rejoicing. He said they, because they would be in the presence of the Lord at His coming. You know, this promise of His coming is to give us comfort. We read that in John chapter 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Because Christ is coming and because He could come today, that is that urges us to be steadfast 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Turn there with me if you would, please. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our, again, notice the, the, the term specific to the rapture, by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not troubled, I'm sorry, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. You see, this, this is to urge steadfastness on our part. You see, the, the fact that Christ could come and His coming could be today. It, it's to, it's to, it's to, to fill our labors with diligence, to fill our lives with service and activity. Because Christ's coming could be today that, that, that causes us to mortify the flesh. Back in Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at this passage. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse Colossians chapter 3. We read the first four verses, but I want us to, uh, to read verse, verse five. Colossians chapter three, verse five. In light of his coming, he says, mortify therefore. What's the therefore? Because of verse four. Because Christ is going to appear and we are going to appear with him in glory. Verse five, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication uncleanness, inordinate affection, 
evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You see, because Christ is coming, that is to cause us to mortify the flesh, to deny this old flesh. It requires soberness. Contributes to abiding in Christ. First John chapter 2. And now, little children, abide in Him that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at His coming. So encourage patience. James writes, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. It's to enforce obedience on our part. The Lord could come and He could come today. See, this pre-tribulation theology, this, this pre-tribulation view of the return of Christ, it's not just wishful pie in the sky and the sweet by and by kind of thinking. You see, the, the, the church, the early church, they had coined a unique greeting. Maranatha. And the word simply means the Lord cometh. The Lord cometh. And, and it's reflected in the, the, their belief that Jesus Christ is that blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope. And, and, uh, and oh, if, if we as a church had that word on our tongue, Maranatha. We greeted each other with Maranatha. We parted ways with Maranatha, reminding ourselves always that the Lord is coming. See, Jesus told us, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, would you say it with me if you know it? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, there. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Let's pray. Father,